Welcome to As the Season Turns, a podcast following each month of the year. As the hedgerows change, the full moons come and go, and nature takes its course in the garden. I'm Leah Lander, as a nature writer and author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide. This podcast is brought to you by Fern, makers of small batch organic natural perfume, who blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to what to look for in the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you, in the words of the poet Ray Carver, settle deeper into the seasons. After all the excitement of May and June, that thrill of summer is really here, July always feels to me like a much more relaxed month. Yes, we've arrived. Chill out. It's a bit like that in the natural world, certainly. All that frenzy of parading about, marking territories, pairing up and mating, or creating great clouds of sexy, tempting blossom to be pollinated and turned into fruits, well, most of that is done. It's time for nature to stop messing about and get on with the serious grown-up stuff of the year, of growing, tending and nurturing. A funny thing about July is that there are very few traditional seasonal celebrations, and I think that is simply because in an agricultural society everyone was just too busy to take time off to lark about. Like the birds and the bees, we had to get down to business this month, making sure the early work of sowing and propagating turned into produce to see us through winter. But now, now I think July is a month when we sink into summer. It feels right, the temperature is nice, everything looks pretty. The living, for those of us that aren't directly involved in haymaking and the like, is easy. It could be like this all year and we would be happy. A gentle, easy-going kind of a month. Lovely July. The naming of July. Yukar in Scots Gaelic, Julie in Scots and Ulster Scots, Yule in Irish Gaelic, Jerisauri in Manx, Gorfenaf in Welsh, Gotheran in Cornish, and Juillet in Gerier. Julius Caesar named July Julius after himself in 46 BC, as a pat on the back for reforming the Roman calendar and creating the, you guessed it, Julian calendar. Before this, July was known as Quintilis, the fifth month, the first month then being March. But no trace of Quintilis has remained in the names of the month, while several are based on Julius. The Manx Geresauri may look as if it is related, but in fact, Jere means end, and Sauri means summer. This seems impossibly pessimistic to our modern way of thinking, but is related to a more complex understanding of the agricultural patterns of the year than to any more romantic sense of summer, or indeed to the temperature. Summer was considered the months of growth, May, June and July, and August was when crops switched their energies to fruiting and ripening, and the time for the first harvest. Hence, July was seen as the last month of summer. Similarly, the Welsh Gorfenav is from Gorven, 
meaning end, and have, meaning summer. The Scots Gaelic Yuchar and the Irish Gaelic Yule have another root entirely. They are thought to be related to fuch, meaning to boil or seethe, presumably relating to those sweltering Outer Hebrides summers. The Romany name for the month is Casescero, which means month of the hay. From high summer through to autumn, all of the Romany names for the month refer to the big seasonal jobs that the Romany would have traditionally returned to year after year. This was the busy and lucrative time of year for Romany families, when they would try to earn enough to keep them going into winter. July's Casescero is the first of these and refers to haymaking. Farmers then, as now, grew fields of grasses and wildflowers and then turned them into dried hay to store, so that they would have a source of such stuff to feed to their livestock over winter. This was and is an essential job in the farming year and one requiring lots of manpower and muscle too, making it the perfect job for the Romanies. The farmer will wait for a spell of dry weather before giving the signal to start cutting the hay. The relationship of the word casascaro to the word for scythe, casarengi, suggests that at the time that these names were widely used, this job was still done with a scythe, making it a slow and hugely labour-intensive job. The cut grass was left to dry out in the sun for a few hours, and then the workers returned to the field and used pitchforks and hayrakes to spread it out as much as possible, leaving it for a few hours more and then rolling it into rows in the evening. The next morning it was spread out again, turned and rolled, and so on, for several days until it was dry enough to be formed into a haystack. As one section of field was drying, another would be being cut, and so this job might spread over several summer weeks, all dependent on how much the sun was shining. Once the job was done, the wagons would be hitched up to the well-rested horses, and the Romanies would be off down the late summer lanes, perhaps gathering handfuls of summer herbs and early berries as they went, to their next stopping place and their next big job. The Hedgerow in July The bramble is still flowering, but the first green fruits are starting to form, and they're joined now by hedge bindweed and the aptly named Traveller's Joy, the cheerful yellow wild clematis that changes its common name as the year goes on. It will be Old Man's Beard by November. Hedge parsley and wild carrot come into flower this month, both of them resembling cow parsley, though the hedge parsley is a pinker version, and just as attractive to insects who flock to them. All the insects of the hedgerow are busy getting their fill. Speckled wood butterfly, hoverfly, gatekeeper butterfly, jersey tiger moth, seven-spotted ladybird, leafcutter bee, ringlet butterfly, honey bee, peacock butterfly and small tortoiseshell butterfly might be seen. There are plenty of creatures feasting on the greenery too, and spotted longhorn beetles are feeding on cow parsley and hawthorn. July sees the first good crop of fruits, which are a great boon to the residents of the hedgerow. The cherry plums and wild cherries have started to ripen, along with more wild strawberries. Beneath the ground, attached to the roots of hazel, summer truffles have formed and may be dug up by foraging mammals. Hoglets, baby hedgehogs, 
start to go on foraging trips with their mother. About two weeks later, they will set out on their own. Dormouse babies start to forage with their mother when they're a few weeks old. The creature's diet has switched from flowers to buds and insects. A common lizard may emerge from the shelter of the hedgerow and take up a position on a well-placed stone to bask in the warmth of the sun. Flower of the Month, Oxeye Daisy Latin name, Leucanthemum vulgare Leucanthemum from the Greek leukos, meaning white, and anthemon, meaning flower, vulgare, meaning common. Common names, moonpenny, moon daisy, dog daisy. Happy sunny oxeye daisies once filled the countryside in July, the last hurrah of the hay meadows before they turned their attention to seed. The old common names of moonpenny and moon daisy arose because of the flower's ability to glow in moonlight. And what a sight a daisy-rich meadow must have been on a moonlit July evening. Now they are most likely to be spotted in hedgerows, which so often act as the final vestiges of the habitats that once surrounded them. Modern agriculture has all but done for the meadows, but oxide daisies and their companions, valerian, hedgebed straw, common toad flax and all, cling on at the margins. If you wanted to start a meadow of your own, even a small-scale one, the dependable and spectacular oxide daisy is the place to start. Sow the seed in autumn. Alternatively, plant it in a border where this beautiful wildling will hold its own among the cultivated perennials. This month's full moon falls on the 24th of July, but it is at 3.37am so you can see it at its fullest within normal waking hours on the night of the 23rd. Wurt is an old English word for herbs, and the medieval name Wurt Moon for July's full moon reflects the fact that while little has ripened yet, greenery and herbs are plentiful. This is also the time beekeepers take their first honey of the year, and so the making of mead, a fermented honey drink, could begin an important pastime in medieval Britain. Perhaps this sweet, intoxicating drink would be made by the helpful light of the full moon if chores had stacked up. Hence the other name for July's full moon, Mead Moon. Under the wort moon, and while herbs are at their leafiest, it must be time to make a classic pesto. Put a pinch of salt and a clove of garlic into a pestle and mortar and pound to a paste, then add 60 grams of toasted pine nuts and grind them too. Next, pound in a large handful of basil leaves. Add 60 grams of finely grated parmesan cheese and some extra virgin olive oil and work into a thick paste. Squeeze a little lemon juice in to freshen and brighten it, then add more olive oil to the desired consistency. Season with salt and pepper as you need. You can mess about with this formula depending on the season and your taste. Try toasted hazelnuts, walnuts or almonds instead of pine nuts, hard goat's cheese, cheddar or pecorino instead of parmesan, add parsley, chervil, tarragon, coriander, rocket, blanched nettles or wild garlic instead of basil. The sky at night in July. On the 12th, there'll be, the a 12th there'll be a close approach of Venus and the moon, visible in the dusk from about 9.30pm until setting at 10.30 in the northwest. 
Mars is also visible with difficulty, close to Venus. From the 24th to the 25th, there'll be a close approach of Saturn and the Moon, rising at 10 p.m. in the southeast, and becoming lost in the dawn at around 4.30 a.m. The 25th to the 26th sees a close approach of Jupiter and the Moon, rising at 10.30 p.m. in the southeast, and visible until lost in the dawn at an altitude of 20 degrees in the southwest. During the course of July, day length decreases by 1 hour 30 minutes to 16 hours and 24 minutes in Inverness, and by 1 hour and 3 minutes to 15 hours and 20 minutes in Padstow. Spring tides are the most extreme tides of the month with the highest rises and falls. Neap tides are the least extreme, with the smallest. Exact times vary around the coast, but expect them around the following dates. Spring tides will be on the 11th to the 12th and the 26th to the 27th. Neap tides on the 3rd to the 4th and the 19th to the 20th. Charm of the month, bees. Though you can't pop a bee into your pocket to cling to in times of worry, ouch, they have traditionally had so many lucky associations that they can surely count as charms, albeit living, breathing, honey-making ones. A bee landing on you is very lucky, and one flying into your house will bring luck or a visitor, as long as you let it find its own way out naturally. Their lucky symbolism must be connected to their great importance in creating such a vital and delicious source of food. There are also several superstitions relating to their sensitive nature and the perils of treating them badly, presumably stemming from their propensity to fly away or die if they don't find conditions exactly to their liking. Bees will not stay in an argumentative household and they particularly object to swearing. A hive should never be owned by one person. Indeed, it is at its luckiest when owned by an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. And the hive needs to be kept informed. If a daughter of the household is to be married, you must whisper it to the bees. You must also do this when a member of the household dies, as the bees must be allowed to mourn or they will fly away. Needless to say, to kill a bee will bring terrible luck. July Garden Meditation Although we are past the summer solstice, we are not past the summer. The land's thermal lag means that the earth beneath our feet has taken time to warm up since the beginning of the year, but it has been storing up the sun's heat all along, and now the warmest two months of the year are here. Step out into the garden, remove your shoes, and let the soles of your feet connect with that stored warmth. Try going barefoot on the pavement a little too, for fun. In July, trees start to take on their high summer colour, a lovely rich mid-green, and the sight of a mature tree in July, waving its branches in a summer breeze against a deep blue sky is one of the best sights in the world. Note and enjoy this now.
even if you can only see the tips of your tree across the rooftops. And that breeze. Close your eyes and notice how warm it is, how little you are clenched and braced against it, how relaxed your body can be as it moves around you. Think about the subtle switch that the garden has just made, from the lush green young growth and flowers of spring and midsummer to the start of ripening. Suddenly, the garden is providing bucket loads of produce and the brambles stop flowering and start making their tight little green berries. Look for evidence of this change in your garden as the year turns. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2021, available in all good bookshops. This podcast has been brought to you by Fern. Fern is a natural fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year released at the equinoxes and solstices. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.